Miguel Gonzalez, President of Reasons for Faith International Ministries and your Bible teacher here on Truth to Live By. I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us and I want to extend an invitation for you to join us each and every week at this same time and on this same station. It is our prayer that God is using these programs to minister to you wherever you might be in your spiritual life. The title of today's message is uh, The Great Cloud of Witnesses. I am a firm believer that uh, we benefit a great deal if uh, we spend st time studying the lives of both Old and New Testament believers. Uh, in this message, we are going to look at the lives of three specific individuals uh, mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're going to see what lessons we can learn from uh, these uh, the lives of these, these three uh, individuals. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start uh, in verse 7, and we're going to look at Noah first. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his family he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at Noah's life. And I want to first go to Genesis chapter 6 and give a little bit of context to what Hebrews tells us about Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, I want to first look at verse number 3 where it says, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. And then if you jump all the way up to verse uh, 14, and if you were to read through verse 22, you would find that there Noah's been given the instruction of what he's to build and how he's to build it. And then that whole section closes in verse 22 and says, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. So, based on what we know about Noah from Hebrews chapter 11, and based on what we've looked at and what you're going to read on your own in Genesis chapter 6 about, about Noah and his family and the flood and the ark, we can draw several uh, conclusions. One, the one characteristic that I want to point out, or the one principle, the one thing that I want us to learn from the life of Noah is that principle of patience. Uh, and why patience? Because if you go back again to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, you will find that Noah had to wait a hundred and twenty years to see God's plan fulfilled in his life. Now there's several important things that I want to point out back in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It says, by faith, and again this is, this is the, the faith hall of fame. 
uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And all the individuals that we're going to talk about today, the three uh, individuals we're going to talk about today, uh, these are all people of great faith. And we're going to learn why they were people of great faith and what their faith led to. We know for a fact that Noah was a patient man, and, and, and there's a reason for that. It took 120 years for God to fulfill uh, his plan in Noah's life. That's how long it took uh, uh, Noah to, to complete the task that, that God had given him, 120 years. But there's several things I want to point out from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. First of all, it says that, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. What does is, what is, uh, the author of Hebrews mean when he talks about the fact that uh, he was warned about things not yet seen? Well, obviously, in the day of Noah, they had never uh, experienced a flood. As a matter of fact, during the time when this was happening, they had never even seen rain. It had never even rained on planet earth. There was no need for rain. The way God had created the earth, uh, there was no need for rain. Everything was sustained the way God had created it. So uh, clearly, the author of Hebrews tells us that Noah had been warned that there was something coming that they had not seen or experienced up to that particular point. And it says uh, then that, that in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. This is, this is, uh, there's an important point I want to make right there because it, it uses the word holy fear to point out that it wasn't out of, he wasn't terrified about either the news or even about God. He had reverence for God and because he believed God and had taken God at his word, in holy fear, in holy reference, uh, reverence, both to God and to what God had warned him about, he reacted in obedience by doing what God had asked him to do. And then it says in, in verse 7 as we continue, it says, By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Well, how did by his faith, how did he condemn the world? Well, listen, you remember, and, and you need to really go back to, to Genesis and read the whole story. But if you recall, when God had instructed Noah to build the ark, when he had warned him about what was going to happen, uh, Noah, in obedience, started doing what God had asked him to do. And in doing so, he was also warning the people who lived there that there was judgment coming, that they needed to, in essence, repent of their sins and their wicked ways, and that if they failed to turn, that they would experience the judgment of God. And if you remember the story, you will remember that Noah was mocked for the fact that he embarked into this task that God had given him, mocking the fact that they thought he was absolutely crazy and they did not believe that God was going to pour out his wrath and judgment against them. Remember, what was going to happen here had never happened before. They had never even seen rain. So for, for Noah to go out and warn the people of the coming judgment 
and tell them what it was that was going to happen to them it must have sounded like science fiction they had never seen rain yet Noah comes around and says that unless you repent and you turn from your wicked ways God is going to cause it to rain he's going to cause water to come down and water to surface and the whole earth is going to be covered with water and kill everybody well they thought he was crazy and they mocked him and they made fun of him but this is the important thing about Noah. Not only was he a patient person, and we need to learn that about Noah. Noah was a patient person. And, and, and let me sort of make a, uh, an application here before I go on to, to the next point I wanted to make. Some of us often become very frustrated because we don't think that God is moving fast enough for us. We are sitting in anticipation, waiting on God to, to do something, to cause something uh, in our lives, to, to lead us to something greater, to, to uh, involve us in, in, in a great work of ministry or something. And, and we're, we're impatient. Noah had to wait 120 years before he saw God fulfill his plan in his life. Oftentimes we become extremely impatient with God and we might be talking about days or weeks or even if we're talking about years. God operates on his own timetable and his timetable does not coincide with ours. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet that 99.9% .9 of the time our timetable does not coincide with God's. But we need to understand that we ought not want to do anything unless it's done on God's timetable. I may want to do something that is noble and helpful and in my mind beneficial to other people. But if I don't do it at the right time, it's not going to be as good, as beneficial, and as noble as, it, as if I had waited to do it in God's timing. So we need to understand that our responsibility, as it was Noah's, is to be faithful to God, to believe, to take God at His word, to believe God, and to wait on God to lead us to what He wants us to do, wants us to say, wants us to think, in His time. But an important piece here is that it says, Back in Genesis uh, 6.22, it says that Noah did what God had commanded him to do. Listen, the people of that day mocked Noah because they would not believe what Noah was warning them against. Neither they nor Noah had ever seen or experienced anything of the sort. Yet unlike all those other people, Noah believed God and took God at his word. God had just warned Noah that he was going to do something that in Noah's mind was inconceivable, impossible, unbelievable. And I don't know that Noah would have reacted in that obedience had it been anybody else but God telling him what was going to happen. He knew, and this is the point, Noah knew God. Noah had a personal relationship with God. And that is precisely why Noah and his family were saved. Because Noah walked with God. His family walked with God. And because he knew God, 
He knew God was faithful. He knew what God said was believable. He knew God was trustworthy. And he was merciful and gracious and loving. And if God says this is going to happen, even though it sounds unbelievable to me, I'm going to obey God because he is God and he cannot lie. We too, as believers, must always make sure that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing, and that is we are walking with the Lord in fellowship, in obedience, living lives that are honoring and glorifying and pleasing to Him. And God in due time will lead us into the work He will have us do, uh, when He will have us do it, and for the, and, 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 I mean, He will just direct our paths and our ministries. But we must be patient. If you remember, one of the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 22 is patience. Patience is one of those gifts of the Spirit. If, listen, and, and I'll say this at the risk of maybe being somewhat misunderstood, but I know I'm guilty of this sin. When we don't, when we are not patient, when we are impatient, we are sinning because we're refusing to wait on God and do things on His timetable. Therefore, when we exercise patience, we are exercising and living by and manifesting uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience. Patience. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse uh, uh, 12, this is what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What can we learn from the life of Noah? Noah was a man of patience, and he was a man of patience because he knew who had, who had uh, spoken to him, and he knew that he who had spoken to him was faithful and believable. And you know what Noah's faith led to? Noah's faith led to obedience. The second person I want to talk to in Hebrews chapter 11 is Sarah. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Um, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. What can we learn, for example, from Sarah? We know that Sarah was promised by God that she would bear a child. Now, what was unbelievable about this was that at the time, Sarah was 90 years old and, 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 and even, even uh, worse than that, that she was past age of, of bearing children, she was barren. She was not able to bear children, and that's why she had never had children up to that point. But God had promised Abraham and Sarah that she would bear a child, and, 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 and she believed God. In fact, if we go back to Genesis chapter 17, 
and we'll go, move relatively quickly here because we're going to be running out of time. In Genesis chapter 17, this is what uh, we are told. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And then if you go on to chapter 21 and you read verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him, period. Listen to what it says. Sarah, God gave Sarah what he promised her he would give her, and that was a child. What can we learn, for example, from Sarah? We can learn from her that no matter how much doubt-ridden you are, the God who makes a promise is a God who will deliver on that promise no matter what the circumstances might be. Listen, the odds were all stacked against Sarah and Abraham having children. First of all, both of them were old, at least past the age of childbearing. He was 100, she was 90. In addition to that, she was a barren woman, unable to have children. Yet God promised that he was going to give her child, and God did so, he fulfilled his promise, and the child that she bore to Abraham was Isaac, through whom eventually would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So listen, as way of application, let me say this. No matter how bad it may seem, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter how tough it gets, if God has made a promise, and this book is full of promises, is full of promises. If God has made a promise, God will deliver on that promise because He cannot lie and He is a faithful, faithful God. So what Sarah is telling you and me right now is this. When in doubt, don't stop. Keep going. God is faithful. The last person I want to look at, and we only have just a few minutes left, is Joseph, and we're going to jump to verse 22. It says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to, to really spend a, a much time back in Genesis, but let me give you the context. Joseph never, you know, he had been sold into slavery, and he was in Egypt. He never returned to Canaan. But God had promised that he would deliver the Jewish people from bondage and deliver them to the promised land. And even though this never happened in the lifetime of Joseph, Joseph absolutely believed God, had faith in what God had promised. And notice what it says in verse 22. Listen to the instruction. Listen to the comment he makes and the instruction he gives the Israelites. He says, in, it says in verse 22, By faith, 
Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Now listen, that had not yet happened. That was yet a future event. And it was nothing he experienced. He was dying at this uh, point. But God had promised that he would deliver the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. And Joseph absolutely took God at his word, believed God, and spoke of that event as, it, as if it had already occurred or happened. Listen, and that's how we need to approach the Word of God. When God says something, we can and should speak of it as if it were something that had already occurred. Because even though it might be in the future, it's a given because God said it, and God cannot lie, and God is faithful to the promises He made. And He said that He would deliver the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt and deliver them to the promised land. And when Joseph... Uh, uh, before his death, he made reference to that exodus as if it were a given. And notice how sure he was about the exodus. Notice what it says in the last part of verse 22. He gave instructions about his bones. David instructed the Jews that when the exodus occurred and they went back to the promised land, they were to take his bones and bury him in the promised land. He was so certain that God would be faithful to the promise he had made that he left instruction that when it did occur, it was a given for him that it, when it did occur, that they were to take his remains to the promised land and bury him in Canaan. Listen, you know what Joseph is telling us? Trust God in spite of your circumstances. And why do I say in spite of your circumstances? Well, look at the life of Joseph. Here's a man who experienced great hardship. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was imprisoned under false charges. He was forgotten by those he helped. Yet he turns around in spite of all those circumstances. He's able to turn around and entitle for us a sermon, Trust God in spite of your circumstances. And we know that to be true because the Bible confirms what Joseph is telling us right here. If you look at Proverbs, and many of you may even have this passage memorized, it's a fantastic passage. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 through 6, listen to what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight joseph knew from experience that god was a trustworthy god that he can be trusted and joseph you know what joseph did he trusted the lord with all his heart and he refused to lean on his own understanding, on his own perceptions, on his own biases, on his own timetable, period. He trusted God. So what do we learn from Noah? Well, by Noah's faith, N Noah was led to obedience. Sarah's faith led to trust, and Joseph's faith led to absolute confidence in the Word of God. Listen, this is the bottom line, and we're, and we're out of time. 
If you have a personal relationship with God, you know that God is a faithful God, and He will deliver on His promises, even though His promises are designed to bring Him ultimately all the glory, not to make your life some, you know. But He is faithful, trustworthy, and you can be confident in that God that you have as your Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. We give you all the honor and praise. May you change our lives and give us the faith that these three individuals had so that we ourselves may make a positive impact in this lost and dying world. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.